Hello and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Um, we have, my wife and I, Joyce, have considered Summit our home for about the last four years, our home church, and we are, I am a it- retired itinerant preacher. Itinerant means we had an itinerary and we just traveled. If any of you might know what an old circuit riding preacher, if you look at history, was that's what we did for um, 31 years, and then we've been retired since 2019. And um, I, w- I wish I could really express from my heart how we feel about Pastor Dan, Chuck, Caleb, Bradley, Katie, the whole staff here at Summit. Uh, they're working for the kingdom, and we get to get in on it. We're blessed by the, the people that lead us here. We just feel so blessed by that. Um, let me see here. I'm a little nervous. I've overprepared. <laughs> I'm saying, what can I eliminate? What can I shrink? Uh, you can pray. Um, today is my wife's birthday. Yeah. She's 52 years old. Or we've been married 52. I can't remember anymore. I took her out fancy this morning. And as we were going through the drive-thru, we had... Any of you relate to that at all or not? I failed her so bad, but I actually have... I did get her a present, and she didn't know about it. I couldn't take it any longer. So I gave it to her last night because I knew I'd be so consumed and focused this morning. And I found it. I was with her shopping. I hate shopping, but I like to be with her. And <clears throat> I saw this watch. She, her old Timex had broke. And uh, it has to have a lighted dial and a brown leather band, blah, blah, blah. And I walked by, and there it was. And I got it. And then when Ellen and I took Ellen out, our daughter, for breakfast, and uh, we snuck into Dollar Tree, and I got her one of the expensive cards. <laughs> well, I'm sounding worse and worse, ain't I? <laughs> Anyway, uh, I thank God for my wife, and it's stuck with me all these years. Uh, she's my best friend, the love of my life, and uh, I just thank God for you, Joyce. You're my sweetheart. Well, this message this morning is a response, the appendix or a supplement, whatever you want to call it, attachment to Pastor Chuck's powerful sermon on worship two weeks ago, April 2nd, he preached. And uh, I was so moved by that message. God spoke to my heart. And he said, they're going to reactivate the altars. And I was up here on my knees and on my face before God, crying out to him to help me with regards to worship. Um, I wasn't supposed to be here this Sunday. Uh, I was supposed to be someplace else. Last week we were preaching in Toledo. We're doing a little experiment. I don't hate to call it that. But we've taken some opportunities to preach. And uh, next Sunday we are in uh, Iowa, Waterloo, Iowa, preaching. And then we're in 
Billings, Montana, really it's big timber, Montana. I've never been there preaching. And then we're in Illinois preaching. And so we're going to be gone for a while. And I, I can already tell you, I already miss that. I, I, I miss the blessing of being here. But um, we have some opportunities. And I thought, well, should we do this again? We retired from that. And we're trying to evaluate, um, still seeking God, what do you have in this, uh, in our life? Old people still, how many of you know you can be old still haven't got it all figured out? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Still figuring out, what, what are you supposed to do in my life? You know, I, I know what we're supposed to do, but how does it look? Okay. Um, so anyway. Uh, well, our text, let's just go ahead and get after it. It's in John chapter 4. If you want to find that, I'm, I was going to read a larger, a lengthier text of that. This is my favorite gospel sermon, and I've actually preached on that here, the woman with the well here. But we're going to take a look at worship, just a section of that uh, scripture. Um, and in a few moments, I'll have somebody, Sam or somebody back there, put it up on the screen of the map. When I, I'll go like this and put the map up, and then, we'll, then you know we're to the sermon, okay? Um, <clears throat> The title of the message is, Is My Worship? Is My Worship the Kind God is Looking For? It says, The Father seeketh such to worship Him. Um, the goal is, for my own soul, it's been a good week for me to think about worship. And I realized so many times, uh, worship is so much more than we're going to cover in two sermons, Chuck's and this one, or even a series of sermons or messages on the subject of worship. It's just too big of a, a subject, a topic. And... Uh, I realized as I was standing next to Joyce, I could not enter into the worship in song. That's what I, I struggle so much with because I'm so focused on what I'm getting ready to do right now, to preach. And I remember a number of years ago when I, I was mindlessly mouthing the words and my mind was on my message. How many of you have the ability to do that? Your, your mind's someplace else, but you're, how many of you know singing, worship is more than singing? Just say amen and we'll move on, okay? But it's part of that, okay? And, and I, I remember years ago that I said, God, I just can't enter into worship. I've seen other guys do that and enter into worship and then, then the preaching. And it's almost like this is the worship part of the service and then this is the preaching part of the service. And I said, I struggle so much with that. It's like the Lord said, oh, you'll be worshiping in a few minutes. You won't be worshiping, but I will be worshiping as I preach the word, okay? And I realized that's part of my worship is to, well, what is worship? Let me give you the definition. The definition of the word worship means to attribute worth. You attribute to God his worth. He is worthy. Would you say amen to that? In Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, the four and 20 elders around the throne, and they're saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain. He's worthy of glory and of honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created, were made to worship, to attribute worth to God. And right on the heels of that, John says, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, written within, and on the back were seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, saying, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals? And no man in heaven or earth or under the earth was found worthy to open the scroll, neither to look on it. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Then one of the elders, nameless ones of the 24 around the throne, 
said, Weep not, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David, hath prevailed, and he is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. The stuff that we need to know that's in that letter, he said, Jesus will open that. The worthiness, this is what's going on, okay, or what will be going on. He's worthy. He's worthy of all our praise, and we sing that, and we say that. His worth. In Revelations chapter 19, Babylon has fallen. Armageddon is about to begin. You know what's going on? There's the four hallelujahs. Four hallelujahs that are going to precede that. Powerful stuff. Hallelujah. Sometimes worship is nothing more than from your spirit saying to God, Hallelujah. 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 Worship. It's so much more than what we are going to do this morning. What we're going to talk about this morning. I need to begin this with a brief, let me say this about what Pastor Chuck had to say about worship. I, I, this is from my notes. The spirit-filled Christian is solely focused on worshiping the one true King Jesus. Authentic worship is the allegiance of the heart on display through surrender and obedience. Our fleshly tendencies always are a conflict to the spirit. The flesh and the spirit never agree on anything. Would you agree? That's the conflict. Idolatry is the emptiness of a social gospel. The gospel plus or minus anything is not the gospel. How many of you remember him saying that? The gospel plus, you add any, any of yourself to the gospel, it is no longer the gospel. The gospel is all about God and his doing. That's the good news. The only thing I contribute is my sin, because the only one he saves is sinners. It's about abandoning yourself to worship God. Well, I'm going to give you a brief on my journey. In the spring of 1993, I heard a message on worship. I want to make this comment. It's good to say this, to remind you. I think you know this. Never underestimate the power of one sermon to affect the course of your life. Maybe not at that moment, but some, something said. How have you ever had a one-liner you couldn't get away from until it, it made a mark on you? It, it did something. Just, just a one-liner. You, you realize how many words I will say in a message? If you get a one-liner from God, never underestimate the power. I can tell you this. I can't even tell you who the preacher was or what his text was, but I knew what he talked about, and it was worship. And it stirred me. I thought, yeah. Now, in 1993, I committed my life to Christ. This is 10 years, 15 years after I committed my life to Christ, at which time... God is doing a work in my life, dealing with sin and stuff, and finally calls me to preach. I resign from the state police. Um, I interim pastor, and then finally end up pastoring this small little church for about four years. And now I'm four years into this itinerant ministry, and I heard a sermon on worship. And it stirred me. I began to think, what is worship? Well, do I worship? I begin to examine myself. Am I the kind of worshiper God is looking for? Well, so what I did is I, I, by this time, I'm reading. I'm trying to read. I'm like a sponge. I'm trying to drink up some stuff. And I went to my Christian book distributor's catalog, and I looked under in the index, where's worship, books on worship. And the first book I saw under the title of worship was a book by Dr. Joseph Carroll, 
How to Worship Jesus Christ, put out by Moody Press. And I thought, I'll buy that book. It's 125 pages, thin paperback. And I bought that book. And I read it. And after I read that book, I thought, wow. Seems like worship is all through the Scriptures. How can I be in the Bible and not... How have you been willing to admit you've read things that you didn't get? I mean, I, and finally I'm going, good night, all these Scriptures are talking about worship. I hadn't preached on worship. So I got another book by Tozer. I love Tozer. And it's called The Purpose of Man. And in that book he said, we are made for worship. Why God made, why God created. It was for the purpose of attributing to him his worth. Worthy is the Lamb. Whoa. Do you know there are over four, you can Google this, there are over four thousand religions in the world does that tell you something about man's settle down I got a book by Warren Wearsby I've got a note to myself here don't get too far from your notes If I do, I'll be ricocheting off. There's too much stuff. I got a book by Warren Wearsby. The title of it was True Worship. By this time, I'm under conviction. I'm beginning to ask myself, Oh God, have I ever worshipped you? Then I got a book by Andrew Murray. You ought to read some Andrew Murray. You ought to read the Puritans. You ought to read just, just some Andrew Murray stuff. And even go back further and the title of his book was In Spirit and in Truth. And I'm saying, oh God, have I ever worshipped you? And I cried out to God. People, there is something very valuable when you know something's lacking in your life to cry out to God. Hear my cry, oh God, attended to my prayer. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto you. Psalms 34, 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. Learn to cry out to God. And I began to cry out to God and say, God, I want to learn. Have I ever worshipped? I by this time know that worship is more. And back in those days, churches had bulletins. Any of you from that vintage that remember the days of the bulletins before that everything went techie? And in the bulletin, it would print worship. How do you know worship's more than printing it in the bulletin? And I knew that. I said, God, help me. I want to know about this thing called worship. I want to learn. Well, that was in early 1993. In the fall of 1993, it was in September, I do know that. I woke up in the morning early. That's my favorite time of day, early morning, first light. I love that time of day, and I wake up early. And I had a thought come to my mind and pressed upon me, go get on the barn roof. <laughs> How many of you ever had a thought and wonder where in the world that one came from? Any of you ever had that? I'm laying quite comfortably in bed. My wife is next to me. And I woke up and I began to pray. But I had been asking God, crying out to him, Oh God, have I ever worshipped? Teach me about worship. 
And so I, the first thought came, I just blew that off. How many of you would be willing to admit that some thoughts you know are not from God? This one I'm not sure about because I have been crying out to God. But go get up on the barn roof was just a foreign thing. So I just dismissed it. And about oh, a few seconds, moments later, another strong thought came up to me. Go get on the barn roof. So from denial, this can't be from God to... How many of you ever have the Holy Spirit speak to you? I know this now. I can see this now that this was God's speaking to me. But I couldn't see it clear at the moment. Because I couldn't see all the things that I'm going to share with you now. But I went into negotiations. Do any of you ever have the Lord speak to you and you begin to negotiate with him? Like, go witness to this. Open your mouth and speak to this person about God. And you negotiate with him while, why they won't believe it. This isn't the right time and etc. And you miss. Anybody know what I'm talking about with this? And you, just, you wonder about those things. This walking in the spirit stuff. When his spirit's bearing witness to your spirit. This is a spirit. Worship is a spiritual thing. You can see it. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Well, finally, the third time that thought, go get on the barn roof. And by this time I said, well, it's so early. None of the neighbors will see me and think I'm nuts. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not sure this is really going to be from God. So I, I, this barn I had was a 12-foot section. You don't need to know this. And, and another section like this. So there's two levels of roofs. It's not a big hip roof barn a huge thing we have to you know. so I got my step ladder and I got up on this one then I pulled the step ladder up and I got up on the second one. and I looked off into the east which first light and I love the horizo is the Greek word and we get the English word horizon and horizon means the light the line that separates light from darkness and this is first light so here's the darkness of the earth and here's this and I looked up and here's some trees here and I looked over and I saw the moon and the moon was just a you could see the whole moon you could see it. It was all gray except for this little white sliver at the bottom. And then over here was the morning star. And I looked at that and a breeze came and blew across me. And the scripture came to mind. David, Psalms 8.3, When I consider the heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? And I laid down on the roof. I think I laid down. From there on out it got kind of fuzzy. But I found myself on my face in speechless adoration of the God who made that moon and that star and sent that breeze to this person for this moment so he could enter into worshiping in spirit and in truth. I felt like the Lord took and just cleansed me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and I lay there before the Lord. I couldn't talk. It was, and I knew I was worshiping. Maybe 20 minutes. I got down. Went back in the house. And I didn't go to Joy and say, oh, this cool thing just happened. I didn't tell anybody. Well, I told her later. But I knew I had had contact with deity in a way I'd never known before. Well, the next morning when I woke up, guess what I said? Want me on the barn roof? Anybody know what I'm trying to do? You want to know why? Because it's what man wants to do. Remember the flesh and the spirit fighting? What the man wants to do is I want to type into my computer that worship experience and expect it to come up on the screen just like it did the day before. 
that I learned something about worshiping in spirit, there needs to be some spontaneity to it. I've never been on the barn roof and worshiped like that before. Can I tell you something? I have had times in creation where I have worshiped God. Very similar to that. People, what the nature of man is, we want to worship creation. Worship the creator. The one who was and is and is to come. Worship God. And I got it. Man, I can tell you there have been times I can just smell somebody mowing their lawn and the fragrance that God Almighty gave that grass is enough to make me kick into worship. Anybody know what I'm talking about or not? How many of you ever looked at a sunset and you couldn't say nothing, but in your spirit you're going, hallelujah, glory to God, bless Jesus. Just, oh God, oh God. It may only last a minute, but I'll live off it for a whole day. Those spiritual moments of worshiping your maker. Is that all there is to worship? Oh, I hope you heard it when I said it earlier. There is so much more to worship than just that. But that's a part of it. That's a part of it. Let me give you a verse. Romans 1.19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by that which is made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Psalms chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where that voice is not heard. But she is, it's not just a worship in spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself. It's a worship in spirit and truth. You don't want to worship creation. Do you realize when Moses was in slam dunking all the gods of Egypt, they're worshiping the Nile, they're worshiping Ra, the sun god, and they're worshiping all, the, all these things they're worshiping, and they missed out on God. People, you don't believe in creation. I don't think you can be saved without believing that God made you. Listen, if you are not here on purpose, then there is no purpose. This is insane. Why am I breathing up the air, eating up the food, drinking up the water, and taking up the space if God did not make me and put me here to give him glory, to know God, and to worship God? Is this too intense? We're almost to the sermon. All right. Let's unpack some thoughts. Let's go to John. Here's what I, I'm going to read these. Now, map. These notes may not go with this message. I've rewritten it three times, but that's the stuff I gave Caleb. Okay, John chapter 4, verse 20. Is there a map on there? Ah, this is the map. Oh, good. Why do you have a map? The context of this Happened with real people. Disciples going to town to buy food. Woman at the well of Samaria. In real time, in a real place, with the same Savior you and I have, with the same kind of people they were. This isn't some kind of a fairy's tale. This isn't some kind of a story. This is an account of something that happened in time that deals directly with worship. Here it is. Jesus is in Bethany. Jerusalem. He's going to go it says he must needs be go through Samaria. You know why? It's the shortest route. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So he could have, and many Orthodox Jews would go over here 
take the Jericho Road up the Jordan Valley and then cut over and go on up to Galilee or Capernaum where he's going. But he's going to go right up there because I believe that he knows there's a divine appointment awaiting him there. He sends all the guys into town to get food. See that in the middle of the map where it says Sychar? This is where this account takes place, this teaching on the subject of worship. The mount that she points to in a little while says, you Jews say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem where he's been at the feast and stuff. But we say, well, Samaritans, they're half Jew and half everything else. We worship in Mount Gerizim. Now, Mount Ebal is just up here. There's a three-mile three distance between them. This is, a, this is in Shechem, the area of Ephraim that used to be the old land of Israel. and The tribe of Ephraim would have settled there. This is a, so many significant things happened with the patriarchs there from Abraham, Jacob, Isaac. All of them had some significant experience in that area. Another one is about to take place at the well of Sychar, Jacob's well. How many of you got that? Did I do okay on that? Did you follow that enough? All right, here we go. Verse 20, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Get hung up, that's religion there. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me. He's still saying that to us. Believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain worship, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Two points. It's not the place. It's the who and the how. If you got the who and the how right, you can worship in a cornfield. Say amen. It's not and it's not. I got to be in this place. Now, I want to say something about a place. Whether we want to admit this or not, all of us have this mindset of I got to be there, this place to worship. The Presbyterians say you got to be there. And the Methodists say you got to be there. And the Nazarenes say you got to be there. And the Catholics say you got to be there. And the Baptists say you got to be there. These are the places of worship. Well, it's not true. You don't have to be there in a particular place to worship. And let me say something good about the place. It is important. I think we are more apt to worship in church, when I say that I'm talking about this building where we're at this morning, than it is in a bar or a brothel. You better start saying amen or this sermon's going to get long. i got a whole list of these things. <laughs> the casino. <gasps> you're more apt to worship here than you are there. Just say amen to that if you understand that. So this is a good place to be. A good, we should come with an anticipation of this is a place. You know why? This place has been dedicated, consecrated ground for the purpose of worshiping God. And it's more apt to happen there than it is in a host of other number of other places. But it's really not the where, it's the who and the how. Mm. I don't know where Mary was at when Gabriel told her the news from God that that holy thing which is going to be conceived in her womb would in fact be the Son of God. And her response was, how can this be seeing I know not a man? Her response was in faith, not like Zechariah and Elizabeth where his question was in doubt. You can't, I'm no man, it can't happen. Hers was in faith and she finally submitted and said to God, I don't know where she was at. Was she in her house? Maybe I missed this. Where, where, where was she actually, the place she was at? But I can tell you what happened after she submitted. She worshipped. 
In Luke chapter 1, verse 46, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She, in her spirit, rejoiced in God. I don't think she ever had another worshipful experience. I know she never had another identical experience because that's a one-time message in a one-time place. But can I tell you something? I believe because of that experience that Mary experienced a number of times when she looked at that child knowing who he was and she worshipped him. Can you imagine preparing a meal for the Lord of glory? And as a parent saying your prayer, you're not enjoying this. Come on, help me with it. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Her life became one of worshiping. We've lost him. Joseph, where's Jesus? They went back and found him in the temple debating with the PhDs of his day. Your father and I have been worried. Oh, oh, mom. Don't you know? I must be about my father's business. I believe she had a moment of going. <laughs> How do you know she's going heavenward right now? Because she can't go anyplace else. Yeah, that's right. You're God's son. The one who's going to heal us as a nation, as a people, and forgive our sins. Oh, the wind bloweth. Let the wind blow on you sometimes. I am so thankful that a breeze came that morning and blew on me when I was on top of the... You know what? I'll give it to you. John chapter 3, just go back a chapter, verse 8. Three verse, two verses above that says, uh, that was born of the flesh, is flesh, that was born of the spirit of the spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it willeth, and thou canst hear the sound of it, but canst not tell from where it cometh or where it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Take that and apply that, not just to salvation, when the spirit of God breathes upon a person and brings them under conviction, leads them to repentance and brings them to salvation. But those moments where you have contact with deity in your spirit, sometimes in some times of prayer, and you know it as well as I do, sometimes our prayer never makes it above the ceiling it's nothing more than a mindless chatter but there's times you know when you pray in the spirit and you know that God hears your prayers in a dynamic pray anyway but oh don't forget the breeze Pentecost the sound of a mighty rushing wind oh God breathe on me oh breath of God verses 22 through 23 says this, you worship you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Know well what you believe. Know the truth of what you believe. In John chapter 17, verse 3, it says this, And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and his Son, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Do you know what you believe? Do you know what that verse says? The only true God? Do you realize how many gods there are out there and 4,000 plus religions in the world? 
I use Joyce's phone to Google something. I have a flip phone. I'm the only one that's right with God. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. I just haven't got one. But I get Joyce's and I Google this. It said, I said, what is the number one religion in the world? 30, almost 32% of the world claims to be Christian. Second, Islam. Third, Buddhist. Fourth, Hindu. You know how many gods are represented right there? How many of you be willing to admit that not everything that calls itself Christian is Christian? Do you know what you believe? Do you know the truth upon which you are basing your eternal destiny upon? There's only one gospel. Do you know whom you have believed? Not just what. Do you know whom you have believed? You will never be able to worship in spirit and in truth without knowing salvation is of the Jews. Do you know what he meant when he said that? God made a plan. He made a promise in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman. God's Spirit won't only strive with man. Sins of flood. Noah. Flood. Noah gets off the boat. Guess what? Water won't wash away sin. Sin got off the boat with Noah. Say amen if you understand that. See, we're still looking to a Savior. The promise is still intact. Everything's going to be all right. Through the seed of the woman. Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. Joseph. Egypt. Moses, Exodus, Joshua, land, kings, David, your house. Fourteen generations later, that Savior came through the seed of David. That's the one we're talking about. People know the one in whom you believe. People say, how can you prove the divine origin of, of Scripture? One word, Israel. You just track God's promise throughout that book. It goes off the charts of probability that God would ever send a son the way he sent him to do the job that he sent him to do, to redeem lost man. All the sacrifices, all the tanker, railway car loads of blood that was offered could never take away sins, but the blood shed at Calvary wiped him away. That's my hope. That they may know thee, the only true God, and his son Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Know well what you believe. Point number two, beware of false Christ. In Matthew chapter 24, Olivet Discourse, just before the cross, the disciples, and he said, Matthew 24, 3, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and saying, tell us, when should these things be and what should be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? The first thing he said was, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and deceive many. The gospel, plus or minus anything, is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. The gospel is not what we do for God. It's not the Christian life we live after we've embraced Christ. It's all Christ. It's not I, it's Him. It's all Him. Put the focus where it's at. And you can worship. Know what you believe. Take heed to false gospels within the Christian church. There are so many false gospels. You and God kind of getting together a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of you, work out a deal, negotiate. Salvation, false gospel. Never worship. Verse 24. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth. I love it. I have on my webpage, when I, as I grew to understand what the gospel was, all the things that the gospel is not. The gospel is not missions. The gospel is not service. The gospel is not church. I go down through this whole list of things we think, that's the good news. No, the good news is Christ alone. Worship Him. He is worthy of all of our praise and our honor and glory. Chuck said it so well, the gospel plus or minus anything is not the gospel. Know what the gospel is. A number of years ago at men's retreats, I finally said, how many of you know what the gospel is? Oh, guys, raising a hand. I said, if you can tell me what the gospel is, stand up. A few guys started to stand. Then I said, because I'm going to come around and ask you to tell me what it is. A few of them sat back down. How have you ever stood just because everybody else is standing? So I sitting down, I went around to them. I better ask a dozen guys to whisper in my ear what the gospel was, and not one of them got it. Not one of them. I'm getting ready to come back up on the platform, and the old man that's the founder of this camp, a godly old man, I looked at him and I said, do you know what the gospel is? He said, 1 Corinthians 15, 1, 2, and 3. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried, rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. The rest of that chapter, and He's coming back. It's all part of the good news. He's coming back. This, we are not going to worship a ghost, but the risen, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, that every eye is going to behold Him, and He is coming back. That's my hope. It's the Gospel. Is that what your hope is in? That's the truth of the Gospel. Anything we put to it or take away from it, it destroys the Gospel. Got to have the gospel. The good news. And it says, must worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Must is a word used as a, a binding word in a contract, a legal contract. My name must be on the deed to our house if I'm to be the owner of that. It must be. It's that kind of a word. Must be. How do you know we must breathe in order to live? It's a simple thing. You, you must breathe in order to live. 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. We cannot substitute the name of Jesus for anything else and say they're one and the same. All religions, everybody has their own road to heaven. They sure do. God has one. It's one way, one truth, one life. John 3, you must be born again. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must, you must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Worship must be in spirit and in truth. Verse 25 and 26. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, who is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak to thee am he. He has brought her through the journey to salvation. Here's the point. 
good theology. And this woman had good theology. She was looking for the long-looked-for Messiah, Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus. She just knew she was looking for the Messiah. And whenever he came, he's going to make it all right. He's going, to, he's going to tell us everything I need to know to make my way to heaven and be right with God. Good theology still needs revelation. Good theology. You may have good theology. But as God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Did you know the Apostle Paul had better theology than all of us in this room and was lost as a goose in tall grass? That's in John chapter 88, I believe, that goose in tall grass stuff. Did you know the Apostle Paul was lost? His theology was impeccable. The only difference was he just didn't believe that that man, Jesus, was in fact the Messiah. The fulfillment of what he had heard every since he grew up in a Pharisee's home. He'd been hearing about the long looked for Messiah that would come and establish the kingdom of David. And he missed him. Until that day on the Damascus Road, when the light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shone round about him, and he fell down to the earth, and he heard a voice speaking to him in the Hebrew tongue saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you? Greek word, kurios. It means sir. He still don't know who he is. Who are you, sir? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. I love his next line. What do you want me to do? I even know that's the only proper response. Would you agree? What do you want me to do? He said, arise, stand upon your feet. For I'm sending you to people that are not your own. By the way, he's sharing this testimony in two different places in the book of Acts. This one's before Agrippa. And he says, I'm sending you to people that are not your own to deliver them, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive their inheritance of forgiveness of sins, which is by faith that is in me. He said, of which, oh Agrippa, I was not hesitant. I wasn't even slow to embrace the heavenly calling. He said, I got after it. It took revelation. In fact, he says to the church in Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, But I make known unto you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. See, this thing called the gospel, we can preach it. You can't save anybody. You can't kick on the lights. But if God kicks on the lights, you can get saved. You need to hear the gospel, what the message of the gospel is. The foundation upon all of my life and all of my worship, attributing to God worth, is built upon the foundation of the gospel. Don't say the gospel is kind of this neat little thing I get over and then I move on to this Christianity thing. No, you'll never get away from the foundation of the gospel. The wise, in spirit and in truth, this is it. The message of the gospel. I'd like to ask the team to come. One more point. Worship encompasses so much more than a barn roof experience. It can be expressed in a multitude of different ways. David danced at bringing the ark into Jerusalem. 
It's been in a tent in Shiloh. It's been a number of different places. It need not have been. But he danced before the Lord. I don't know if you've ever danced before the Lord. I have. I've told the Lord I'd do it publicly if he ever really impressed it upon my spirit. I remember dancing, coming out of my study, and just dancing, hopping around. I look like a hippo dancing, okay? I'm not a good dancer, okay? And I'm out there jumping around. I remember looking at the couch and thinking, I bet I could go over you. I mean, this is nutcase kind of stuff. And David was rebuked by his wife the way he danced before the Lord. Abandoning of self. Let me ask you, where, where can't you worship? You worship anywhere. Can you worship in a jail? Paul and Silas seem to think so. Can you worship when you just pick up a baby and hold it? You see, worship is so much. Oh, Simeon, when, when they brought in Jesus to be circumcised, God said, there he is. He just went over and held that baby. He said, you can let me go to heaven now. I've seen him. Every time I touch one of our grandchildren or great-grandchildren, the first time, everybody knows, leave him alone. Because I'm going to worship. I get to hold him. And they know I'm praying. It happened on the first grandchild we had, Natalie. She's 29 now. But when Ben and Carmen handed her to me, everybody's just all Googling all the kind of stuff. And I moved into worship. And I prayed a prayer for her. I pray, God, would you break any kind of generational sins from me or my father or her father passed on to her? Would you break them? Would you give her a love for your word? Would you save her at an early age? Would you give her a heart for you? May she walk in the ways of righteousness, walk the straight and narrow path. And I was just praying. And finally, Joyce realized I'm not partaking of everything, all the stuff that's going on here. She looked up at me and said, you're praying, aren't you? I didn't even answer. What I was doing was worshiping. Worship takes on so much more than just a Sunday morning song service. I've sung the songs and not worshiped, and I've worshiped, I've worshiped and couldn't even open my mouth. It's in spirit and in truth. You can worship while you're greeting people at the door, or you can just greet people at the door. You can worship in your Sunday school class. Or you can just go to Sunday school. Elijah Mount Carmel, I know we're out of time. He said to the people, the Jewish people, he said, if Baal's God, then serve him. Just serve him. But if the Lord is God, serve him. Worship is inseparably related to service. Yet you can serve and not enter into worship. The tithe envelopes has on it worship. You can either just give or it can be an act of worship to you. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. See, what I, have, what I can have such, such conviction are, I can mindlessly go through motions and miss out, miss out on the opportunity to engage in my spirit of worship to God. 
do want to learn to worship. Well, guess what? The woman at the well, she was the kind he was looking for. She was the kind. How do you know that, Tom? Because she left her water pot. We're out of time. You can read it. She left her water pot and went into the town and found the men that had been her husband's and said, come meet a man that told me everything I've ever done. Is this not the Christ? She got it. He's the one. The one that's going to make it all right is Jesus. What he's done, he's the one. Matthew left, left his tax booth. The fishing disciples left their nets. Abraham left his country. True worship is going to cost. We have to leave some. What I want to do is drag along all my stuff and still worship. So I leave that. Leave that, Tom. Am I the kind of worshiper he is looking for? Oh God, I want to be. Oh God, help us. Help me. Been in the full-time Christian ministry for 35, I don't know how many years. And yet so much of it I wonder. Has it been attributing to you your worth? Examine my heart, examine my spirit. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. Lead me in the way everlasting. Give us a teachable spirit with regard to true worship. They that worship him, true worship. He seeks for true worshipers. Spirit and in truth. We all want to leave here a little bit different than what we were when we came to God. I know I do. I thank you for the time. Chuck's message on worship. How it started the ball rolling for me to get back to some of the things I have walked away from. Not intentionally, it just seems like it happens. Be willing to forsake all to follow you. Life is short and death is certain. Don't have time to put this off, God. Help us. If we need to come spend some time at the front to bring our stuff up here and leave it. Make a cry to you. There's something significant about that. Thank you for your goodness. We love you and praise you. It's in the precious name of your Son, our Savior, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.